What's up, everybody? It's Trey Smith back with another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. And it is a hump day, Wednesday. Uh, the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night for you football junkies. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I like the Detroit Lions, especially with Dan Campbell. My wife is from Michigan, so there's a little bit of a connection there. Uh, don't get it twisted, though. I'm still a Cowboys fan. Yes, I am still a very, you know, one of those annoying Dallas Cowboy fans. But anyways, NFL season getting kicked off, and then we are getting closer to a college football Saturday. And uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that today. Um, in fact, on this episode, I'm going to talk about some linear programming, simply because that's one of the arguments that came up in a lot of... Um, really, when I was doing a lot of realignment discussion, which obviously is still continuing to even bleed over into the season, but mainly when it was back uh, discussing what the pack four were going to do, I got into some arguments with some people about the exposure element and how I've stood pretty strongly that out of all the G5 conferences, the American Athletic Conference gets the most linear exposure, um, even with losing Houston, UCF, and Cincy. And so I want to look at that. I'm going to probably keep tabs on that throughout the course of the season because I think that's an interesting, I don't know if you call that a statistic, but that's something that would be interesting to track. Uh, I also want to clarify a comment I made earlier this week. Um, the clip went up yesterday and some got a couple fans in a tizzy. Uh, I want to clarify what I meant. Uh, I want to look at some rank, want to look at some of the American Athletic Conference ranked matchups this week. We're in an interesting it's an interesting early season um, slate of games because by this time next week, we could have zero ranked teams in the AAC or we could possibly have as many as three ranked teams from the AAC. And so I want to look at that. And then I have a mailbag question. Uh, someone had asked me on Twitter last week, actually, um, and I've been meaning to get to it this week, got some clarification. So and I'll give my best answer to it. It's a good discussion question, though, so it might provide some good discussion question uh, right here in the YouTube comments for those of you that are watching, especially if you're an old-school Big East head. Um, I'd love to get your perspective as well. But uh, before I get into it, as always, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. Um, and if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please uh, leave me a comment, leave me a five-star rate. Or, or, uh, or leave me a review, I should say, and leave me a five-star rate. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, we, we are the fastest-growing podcast for the American Athletic Conference. And I don't know if we're the, the number one podcast for the American Athletic Conference yet. Don't even know how to track that. Don't know what even all the competition is for that. But uh, that's our mission. So uh, we had nearly 60,000 streams in the month of August. 60,000 streams in the month of August. Awesome. That's all because of you watching this video or you listening right now on one of the platforms. I genuinely appreciate it. And I just love the community of diehards that we're building through this show, through this channel, the diehard college football fans. And uh, all right, enough of that. Let's get to it. So linear coverage. I uh, thought it was interesting that... Um, this week, the American Athletic Conference has seven games on linear TV this weekend um, compared to the rest of the G5, which the next best amount of games is five. Do you think you know who it is? 
Some of you are probably assuming it's the Mountain West, but it's not. It's actually the Sunbelt Conference. Sunbelt, Thumbbelt coming in at five. Then we have the Mountain West Conference coming in at four. And then the Conference USA coming in at two. I thought it was interesting because I looked just for kicks at some Power 5 linear coverage this weekend. And the ACC and Big 12 both have nine games on linear TV. So for the American Athletic Conference, that's only two more than what they have. The AAC has seven. The ACC has nine. The Big 12 has nine. I think that's a pretty good position to be in as a G5 conference. And for a lot of you who are in meltdown mode right now that I see commenting either here on YouTube or on Twitter talking about this is a dying conference. It's the end of the world. The sky is falling. Listen, I get it. It's frustrating that the American conference is not pursuing westward expansion. Like I am fully in agreement with that. I've been advocating for that pretty much since I started this specific show and I've made a case for it. But the truth is, is we got to always come back to the facts. And yes, lost some heavy hitters this last cycle of realignment with UCF, Cincy, and Houston. But despite that, here we are in week two, and we've got two more linear games than the next closest G5 school and only two less than two Power 5 conferences. So that's just something to think about, something to take into consideration. And then on top of that, with all, like, I'm not a TV guy. So I know there's some issue happening right now with Disney and Spectrum and games aren't even being broadcasted or something for people who have Spectrum as a provider. But the, the reality is, is all those other games that aren't linear, they're on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to tell you right now, ESPN Plus has significantly stepped up their game as it pertains to their production quality. All right, I've watched ESPN Plus games before in the past, and this year, this to me is the best that it's been in the last five years. Three years, whatever. I, I don't want to act like I'm just someone that watches ESPN Plus a lot or has, but when I have this year, the games I've been watching, the production quality is 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 been excellent, honestly. And ESPN Plus is accessible to a lot of people. So I don't really know the whole spectrum situation. I hate that for those of you that you're you're dealing with that right now. I have YouTube TV, so it's been very easy. I literally have been able to watch every American conference game so far, whether it being on my ESPN Plus or YouTube TV. And the games, in fact, the seven games that are on linear coverage this weekend, we got Ole Miss Tulane, you got Wagner and Navy, you got Marshall, East Carolina, ECU, which I'm looking forward to that game. I hope ECU packs their, their place out and it's rowdy and they're ready to get things back on the winning track. Uh, you got Tulsa, Washington on Pac-12 Network, which I, I've, I've kind of been someone who's talked that that's a linear channel or whatever that functions like streaming so whatever um rice and houston on the nfl network charlotte and maryland on nbc guys i cannot wait for that game and i just hope charlotte puts up a fight they're gonna put up a fight and they're gonna play hard i hope the final score shows that Yeah, I'll leave it at that for today. But yeah, that's a prime time matchup on NBC. And then you got Temple and Rutgers uh, in the same time slot 
on the Big Ten Network. So, I mean, that's not a bad, it's not a bad option. Now, what will be interesting is to compare these numbers once conference play starts, right? Because a lot of times, you know, when you're a G5 conference, your linear coverage is, is, is linked to, you know, whatever Power 5 opponent you may be playing. So, anyways... Just going to keep you in the loop on that because I know some of you, you feel like the sky is falling. You hate the conference. You think it's the worst thing ever and you're not willing to give it any time. You're not willing to give it a chance to let these incoming teams, let the resources take root and see what they can evolve into. Um, and you're just looking at all the things, all the misses, which there are misses. And I've been, I've, I've acknowledged that. Like I'm not just uh, trying to be a sunshine pumper, but I'm also trying to keep things in a balanced perspective by taking everything into consideration. And if you're, if you're one of those people that's super down on the new coming, incoming schools, the, 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 the schools that are in their first year as an American Athletic Conference team, use Tulane as a case study, man. All right, they came in from the Conference USA and they'd went to three bowl games and didn't make one NCAA tournament in their 18 years in that conference. They come in and really struggled early. Then they kind of became like a mid-tier team, you know, after hiring Fritz. And then all of a sudden he's really turned a corner last year. And it appears as if they've truly began to turn a corner and it not just being some flash in the pan season. So... Anyways, I just say, look at them as a, as a case study for how you're feeling about some of these other schools. But moving on, I want to clarify a comment I made about the UTSA-Texas State game. So I put the clip up yesterday, and some Texas State fans are coming in. Oh, sounds like you're already making excuses uh, in case UTSA loses. Oh, if, if, if Texas State wins that game, it's not going to be because UTSA was hung over. You've you got to give credit to Texas State, blah, 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 blah. Listen, and the comment that I made was don't let Houston beat you twice. And I kind of went on a little bit of a, a tangent on that. And if you want to go watch the clip, it's like 30, 45 seconds on my Twitter right now or TikTok, college game time, TikTok or Twitter or YouTube short. I think I posted it on YouTube short. So there's three different places if you hadn't seen it and you don't want to watch the full episode. All I was simply saying was this. If you're going to lose this weekend, don't lose because you're still thinking about Houston. Lose because Texas State was the better team, okay? I think UTSA wins this weekend. I've said that, and I think the game is a high-scoring game that goes over. But what I would hate to see is for Texas State to win because Houston is playing hungover. That's it. I wasn't saying that the only way Texas State can win that game is if UTSA is hungover. I'm just saying UTSA don't go out and lose a game because you're still thinking about last week, which is a fair take and a fair stance to have given the circumstances surrounding last week. All right. I'm good. I'm good, y'all. I'm good. Let me move on. Okay, I said this at the top of the episode. We got some ranked matchups. This is wild, guys, because, and gals, on paper, there is a chance not going to say it's a very good chance, but there is a chance at this time next week, there could be three ranked American Athletic Conference teams, which would be wild. And it all comes down to these three ball games right here. I'll go most, no, I'll just do it in the order I have it listed. This first game that I'm going to talk about is probably the least likely for the American Athletic Conference to win. 
um, or even have a chance at winning, and that's Tulsa, Washington. But I believe that if Tulsa were to, by some miracle, upset the number eight ranked Washington Huskies, I think they'd get into the top 25. I think you have to put them in there, at least at 25. They'd be 2-0 and uh, with a blowout of UAPB under their belt and a top 10 victory under their belt. Um, but let's talk about that game for a second because I think Washington is a 34-point favorite. And I have thought about this. I have tried to come up with any scenario where Tulsa could win this game. <laughs> and I can't find one um, because I don't see them stopping Washington's offense. In fact, Washington might drop another 50-piece like they just dropped on Boise State. Here's my realistic expectation. I'll give you my realistic expectation and sort of my miracle dream. Like, yeah, not even going to call it an expectation. I'll just call it a dream. My wishful miracle dream and my realistic expectation. My realistic expectation is this. Be more competitive than Boise State was. Boise State got railed 56 to 19, I think. Wasn't even a game. Washington came out and just put it on them. So Tulsa, my realistic, hopeful expectation is that they're more competitive than Boise State. One, because that makes the American look that much better when you have a team that's projected to be kind of a mid-tier school this year, a mid-tier team in your conference, competes with a top 10 team better than what was what is considered the premier team of of another g5 conference the mountain west so that's kind of what i'm realistically hoping for my miracle dream expectation would be they find a way to pull off the upset of the decade and how can they do that well i've thought about this i've tried to come up with any possible scenario well they got to keep the offense off the field i don't think they're going to do that Tulsa's not built to do that. If you watch Tulsa play UAPB, you'll see they're an explosive offense, especially when uh, that second quarter started and Cardell Williams came in. They, they, they scored 28 unanswered points in one quarter. All right, so they're not really built to take the air out of the ball. Now, they may still try to do that because of how, pow how high power the Washington offense is, but I'm sitting here looking at it going, if they're going to stand a chance, they're just going to have to keep up. Let it turn into an old school shootout track meet and just score every time Washington scores. And then let's see if we could turn it into a game where the last team who has the ball wins. Is that a possibility? Probably not. But is that the, in my opinion, only way for Tulsa to pull off a miracle upset? Yeah, it is. Hang in there with them. If they score, you score. Turn it into a shootout. Let's get wild. Let's get crazy. And let's see what happens in the end. Now, uh, a storyline to note on that, Braylon Braxton, the starting Tulsa quarterback, went out with a sprained ankle early in the first quarter last week. Um, and it sounds like he will be a game-time decision. But I think seeing what Cardell Williams was able to do um, – yeah, I mean, I, I think seeing what he was able to do uh, in, in, in relief has to make you feel better about your quarterback situation regardless. All right, moving on. SMU-OU is the next one. OU is currently ranked number 18. SMU coming off the victory against Louisiana Tech. I think if they beat OU this weekend in Norman, they're a top 25 team. 
this time next week. Now, how can SMU pull off the upset of OU? OU is a 15 and a half point favorite. Well, I think the first thing SMU is going to have to do is put two halves of football together. Okay, if SMU plays two halves of football in Norman this weekend, like they played the first half last weekend, they're going to have a chance to win that game. All right, I've been saying it all offseason. SMU might have one of the best rushing attacks in the conference. Here's your chance to prove it. You're a Power 5 team now. You know, you're tired of people telling you, oh, you're only Power 5 because you paid your way in. Here's your chance to prove it. Go into Norman, play your game, and play it for four quarters and see what happens. Now, OU's hot right now. They just dropped a 70-piece on Arkansas State. How much of that was OU's improvement versus how much of that is how bad Arkansas State is this year? We don't know. So is that OU offense going to come out firing, trying to put up 50 on SMU? Yeah, probably. But unlike I was just saying with Tulsa, Washington, SMU is actually built to be able to keep that OU offense off the field. And I think if they can get the run game going and then, yeah, push the ball downfield when those opportunities present themselves, I think you have a chance at pulling off the upset in Norman. And then this time next week, being a top 25 team. And then this time next week, if you're tired of people talking about how you're paying your way into a Power 5 conference, now you can make it look like now it's, you know, you, you've, you've proven that you, you've, in some regard, earned it. You've shown that you can compete against Power 5 competition, ranked Power 5 competition. But anyways, listen, I know some of y'all are out on SMU now, given that they're leaving the AAC. Look. I'm not a quitter. They're still in the conference. I'm going to cover. I'm going to talk about them, um, especially if they're going to help the profile of the American Athletic Conference. Now, I don't want them to win the conference because I think the last thing you want is for an outgoing team to win your conference. But if that's how it shakes out, whatever. I would love nothing more, though, than the next week have multiple teams in the top 25. And I think we've got a legitimate chance between SMU and this next game, which is Ole Miss at Tulane. Tulane looked excellent last weekend, but so did Ole Miss. Ole Miss is explosive. Ole Miss has firepower, but so does Tulane. Because I was trying to think of the same type of game plan, like, well, if Tulane can keep Ole Miss's offense off the field because they're so explosive, but then I'm sitting here going, Tulane's offense is explosive. They don't need to do that. And Tulane's got a pretty solid defense, much better than Mercer. So... um. I think this game, honestly, is going to come down to the quarterback duel. Jackson Dart versus Michael Pratt. I hope Michael Pratt is a full go. I hope his ankle's not bothering him or whatever it was uh, when he was limping last weekend at the end of the game. I hope he's 100%. He was so efficient last week. He looked like he hasn't missed a beat from a season ago. That offense was clicking. The defense was clicking, causing turnovers. Uh, It's a sold-out crowd. And, man, I just think that, that the stage is set for Tulane to make a statement this weekend. To follow up a 12-2 Cotton Bowl victory season with a 2-0 start, one of those being over a ranked SEC team, that's a chance to make a pretty bold statement if you're the Tulane Green Wave. And I think they're primed and ready to do it. Um, 
And really, if you look at how they've played against Power 5 competition in the last couple of years, obviously you have the victory over USC in the Cotton Bowl, which was a comeback victory. They went to Kansas State uh, earlier last season and, and got the victory there. And Kansas State would ultimately be, go on to become the, the Big 12 champion. So they, they beat the you know, future Big 12 champions. They beat the Pac-12 runner-up, I guess it was. And then two years ago, when they were 2-10, and 10, some of you will remember, they went into Norman to play a number two ranked Oklahoma team. And I think the final score was like 42 to 35, or maybe it was 40 to 35. I mean, it was like a five or six point game and they played them tough. Now the wheels fell off as the season went on. But my point is, is Tulane is ready to play against these power five uh, teams in recent history. And I don't see this weekend being any different. So I hope they go in and uh, I say go in. I hope they bring in Ole Miss, take care of business, and send Ole Miss back to Oxford licking their wounds. All right. For these last couple minutes, I'm going to get to this mailbag because I've, I've been missing it all week. This came from uh, at the I Believe Guy, Temple Owl fan. And uh, here's the question. Said, uh, what impact would it would have – would it have had if the football schools retained the Big East name and forced the basketball schools to rebrand? I think this was a big mistake by Oresco. Imagine the basketball schools trying to sell themselves out without the Big East name. In other words, the original question was, what are your thoughts on Oresco selling the Big East name to the basketball schools that defected to start their own conference? Because if you remember, when all those teams left to jump ship to the uh, ACC and the Big East was essentially disbanding, well, when the Big East decided to bring in, I don't remember, you know, they obviously brought in Central Florida, Houston, SMU, and then Tulane, and another one, that was when those, those seven schools, I think it was, six or seven schools that were basketball only, basically said, we're going to go start our own thing. And Oresco sold them the rights to the Big East name. And then that's when, you know, the American Conference rebrand uh, was, was birthed. And quite frankly, got off to a hot start. I mean, UConn wins the national championship in both men's and women's basketball. Freaking uh, UCF goes 13-1, and one, winning uh, the Fiesta Bowl. So, it, it, you know, things got off to a hot start. Uh, and I think initially the plan wasn't to necessarily be this top tier G5 conference, right? And so, yeah, in hindsight, would have keeping the name been better for the overall brand? Yeah, probably. I, I won't disagree with that. I think, though, the, the thought process at the time was probably, all right, this Big East brand is so closely associated with basketball. I know you had the Miami years when they were a Big East football team where they dominated in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, that, that, that era. But most people, when you think of Big East, self-included, like you're thinking of basketball, you're thinking of Madison Square Garden, you're thinking of Georgetown, Syracuse, you know, you're thinking about Villanova and, and all that. And so I don't know how much the feeling was, well, if we keep this name, it's going to hurt us with where the territories were trying to expand into. And I don't know what the plan was initially as far as uh, uh, boosting the football brand. Obviously, they were trying to get into Texas. And, and right now, the, the headquarters are in Texas. So I don't know how much of that played a role into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see right now where if you still had that name, 
it, 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 it could be a positive. And then the second part of this question was, is Oresco repeating the same mistake by not considering the, the PAC two reverse merger, taking the PAC name and adding Westford, which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on record saying, I feel like that, that was the move, you know, you, you, you do that reverse merger, you sell future Westward expansion, you, you leverage that into going and poaching some Mountain West teams, and now you have a coast-to-coast conference with Autonomy 5 status. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm on record saying that. That's what I think they should have done. Now, do I understand why they chose not to? Yeah, I mean, when it's only two teams, it creates some significant travel concerns. You also have to win over, you know, a simple majority of your uh, uh, current institution presidents. And, you know, there's a lot of other factors that play into that. It's not just on Oresco. It really is a conference decision. And so um, I would have loved it. I would have loved it, but... You know, at this point in time, at this point, time is going to tell, right? If the Mountain West is able to pull off a successful reverse merger with the Pac-2 and get all those assets, the Mountain West comes out the big winner. Um, Now, if those two teams end up having to just join the Mountain West, because that's the piece I don't fully understand is the whole reverse merger logistics. How does that impact current media deals um, what does that open up? What does that change? Um, you know, like, is the Mountain West really looking to merge or are they looking to just get those two teams to join what they already have to try and boost the brand of their conference that they can go pitch to networks when their deal is up? You know, those are some things like, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. Yeah. Mount, like if Mountain West gets the merger element to it, sure. But if it's a deal where Oregon state and Washington state join the Mountain West and all those assets, go back to the original teams, all those units go to the original teams. I mean, as an American Athletic Conference fan, I'm not like beating myself up over that. Or in another instance, what if by some miracle, the Big 12 comes back into the conversation, swoops up Oregon State and Washington State, you know, per the, per the, the encouragement of ESPN, and now neither the Mountain West or the American get it. And really all the American has to deal with is the loss of SMU, which is not the end of the world. So I'm curious to know y'all's thoughts, especially if you're kind of an original Big East uh, fan, traditionalist. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. Y'all always have really good perspective. I know Steven Sype, who comments on here often. Uh, if you happen to catch this with Steven, maybe put your thoughts down there because you've got some really good perspective on that. And um, anyways... Uh, yeah, as always, if you have questions like that, that you want me to talk about on the pod, shoot them to me on Twitter, shoot them to me here on the the channel. And I I try to get to as many of them as I can. And, uh, anyways, that's it for me today. Trey Smith, college game time.